the choir loft. And you guys, if you could sing the way you just did, that would be great right there. Sometimes on Father's Day, I will preach a Father's Day message, and sometimes I don't preach a Father's Day message. But I sincerely believe that the message this morning, we've been in the book of Hebrews, where we're at today really fit well about what our Lord's done for us and the warning about not doubting God. The book of Hebrews, we've, we've been here several weeks now, and as we looked at the book and as we dived into it, in all reality, I believe the theme of the book is to move on to spiritual maturity. Hey, move on and grow in the Lord. And you'll notice that throughout the book, the author tells us that Jesus is better. He begins with Jesus is better than the prophets. Then that Jesus is better than the angels. And uh, as we looked at that, then there was a break and there was a warning. The warning was, don't drift. Don't get away from the Lord and don't drift away. Then it went back and finished up, Jesus is greater than the angels. And then it got into, Jesus is better than Moses. And then it gets into Moses, there's a break, there's another warning. Don't doubt the Lord. The problem is, we all doubt him at times. This book was written, the book of Hebrews was written to believers, these are Jewish believers, and so you'll notice there's a lot of Jewish history through it. Like Moses, stop talking about Moses for a few minutes, and now we're going to look at what the children of Israel did in the wilderness and things like that. But there's a warning here. Do you ignore warning signs in your life? Every once in a while, I'm sure we all do, right? Some of you, that engine, check engine light comes on. And, oh, it's just another light. I'm fine. And you go, and then your car blows up. Or your light comes on, it's getting too hot, your engine's getting too hot, and then you stop and you ruin your car, right? Or there's this warning sign, don't touch wet paint. Now, how many of you are kind of like me where it's like, do I do it, do I not? How many of you would touch it? Yeah, some of you in this room, I know how you are because I'm pretty close to the same thing there. A lot of times the problem is we get warnings and we don't listen to the warnings. In our passage today, this warning is, a, is an important one. Because a lot of times we stop growing in the Christian life, and we stay where we are, and we get stuck, and in a way, we harden our heart towards God because we don't trust God, just like the children of Israel did in the Old Testament. So as we look this morning about not doubting, and if you want to grow, just think about as we go through Maybe you're drifting from God. Stop drifting. And you saw a couple weeks ago how to deal with that. If you don't remember, go back and listen to it again. It may be you're doubting God in something in your life right now. This is a good time to take warning this morning. And at the end of the message, I will tell you and give you some advice on how to not doubt God. It's right here in this passage. So let's read together Hebrews 3, verse number 7 through verse 19. We're finishing the chapter this morning. Some of, I hope this hasn't been more Bible reading than you've done all week. I hope you've read some this week. So let's start in verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost say, saith, Today if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. You know, so I want you to understand something. As a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, our problem always begins in the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Our problems come from inside. 
where sometimes you see someone step away from God. God doesn't step away from you. You might try to step away from God. You didn't just one day wake up and do that. Your heart's been wandering for a while. And eventually what's on the inside will come out. So if you are doubting God or you have a hard heart towards God today, it might not show in your life at the moment, but over time it will. Because what's inside comes out. And as Christians, we often focus a lot on the outward. And I'm grateful for a good outward. But if the inside is right, the outward will follow. I'm not one of those that says get the outside right and the heart. Well, that's not how it works. The heart must be right, and then the outside follows. That's the right progression there. So it says here, Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Believers having an evil heart of unbelief. That's what it's saying right there. In departing, from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you by heart be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom he was grieved forty years, was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Father, I pray you bless the next few minutes that we have. We need your help this morning. Please guide us, help us, meet with us today over the next few minutes. We love you, and we thank you for you being our God and our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There are many people that look at the Old Testament and they'll look at the promised land and think that that's heaven. Now I want you to understand something this morning. If the promised land of the Old Testament is heaven, that means when we get there, there's a lot of work we got to do, Right? There's giants we got to clear out. There's a, that's, if that's what heaven is, then that's not really what the Bible talks about heaven. Why well, you understand something? The promised land for Israel doesn't picture heaven. In all reality, it pictures the Christian life. We get saved. Think about this. We come out of this world. We get baptized. And then we follow Jesus. And, and when we obey Jesus and do things his way, life goes very good. But when we doubt him and don't follow his plan, things go as well. The children of Israel in Jericho, great battle, great victory, because they did it God's way. AI, not so much, because they didn't do it God's way. And in all reality, what, the, what it pictures, what the promised land pictures, it's a victorious Christian life and what we want to strive for. But there were many Israelites that never got to get to that point to the rest and spiritual victory in their life because they doubted God and didn't believe God and all that he said. I'm going to close this blind a little bit. We got the carpets done, so I think the blinds weren't closed all the way. So I got, it's like a, there's either a bald head out there shining in at me or it's the, um, the windshield for the shuttle and it's the windshield for the shuttle. It's right at that right spot. So it's not a bald head. But anyways... As we look at our text this morning, we see here that this warning is don't doubt God. 
As we look here this morning, I want to give you three points. We'll be pretty quick. Not too quick, but pretty quick. Number one, as we, and don't doubt me that I'm going to be quick, okay? Here we go. Number one. You can't doubt that one. Number one, here we go. A warning to hear. There's a warning here to listen to God. Look at verse 7. Go back to verse 7. It says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if ye will hear his voice. Now think about this. We're not listening to Moses speak today. Moses isn't our spokesman that tells us what God has for us. Today, you have the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of you. And if you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit's inside of you, right? The Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. And so as God speaks to you, listen. When you read the Word of God, be hearing what God has for you. When you're hearing the preaching of God's Word this morning, don't tune it out and listen to what God has for you. It's a warning here. Listen to what God says. Hear what the Spirit says to you. The writer here is reminding us of the fact that this needs to be done today. Don't wait till next Sunday. Don't wait till next year. Today. It's an immediate thing. Don't wait till later. Today hear from God. Say, oh, but I'm, not, I'm just not hearing from God right now. Well, today hear from God. Today's the day to do that. It's a warning to hear here. Now, as we, it doesn't mean a 24-hour period as in today. It means now. Now's the time. A great example would be 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse 2. Paul said these words under inspiration. For he said, I have heard thee in the time accepted, and the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the is salvation. Now is the time, Christian, to hear from God. Not next week, not next year. Today's the day. Now is the time to hear from God. Now the problem is, the problem happens when we hear from God, but we ignore what he tells us to do. And this is what happens. As God speaks to us, and as he's telling us what we need to do, and as he's working in us, When we don't respond to what God is working in us, our hearts get hardened towards God. Now let's think here for a minute. I want your help. You think with me for a minute. In your life, have there been times where the Word of God is preached or you're reading God's Word and there is conviction and the Spirit of God's working on you? Has that ever happened? Raise your hand if that's happened to you. That is the best. Do you know every That's good. That's good. I've heard other people say, I haven't gotten any conviction in a year under your preaching, Pastor. But someone said every Sunday, that's good. But when the Word of God's preached, it doesn't matter who preaches it, there should be conviction. If there's something, God's Word doesn't speak to us any service, and the Word of God is preached, that's not the pastor's problem. That's a you problem. But when we think about this, so we said that, I'm going to say it one more time. So how many of you have ever been convicted either reading the Bible or hearing preaching? You've felt conviction. That's the best way to know you're saved. It shows you you're one of his. That's an awesome thing. So that's someone, a couple, last week, two weeks ago, someone called me. They're like, I'm having conviction about the sin. I don't think I'm saved. You're having conviction about it. I think you're saved. I think you're okay. I think you're all right. Convictions, it's a good thing. Now, let's be honest here. Have you ever been convicted or the Spirit of God tell you something and you don't do what he tells you to? And then you keep ignoring him. And eventually you're getting nothing from God. How many of you have ever been there? I've been there. It's true. That's what the warning is. You need to hear from God and do what he says. There are many times I've had many Christians come to me and they're like, Pastor, I'm not growing. What's wrong? 
and this is, I say this every single time, what's the last thing God told you to do that you didn't do? Go back there. And do you know something that's very interesting? Every time I say that, they remember what God told them that they didn't do. Like, go back and do that and see if you don't start hearing from God. You see, the problem is not God. And his word is never, it doesn't return void. You and I are the problem when we don't get anything from it. In this verse, as we see, read it in verse number 7 there, it says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Because what happens is, when you hear from God, and you ignore what the Spirit of God is telling you, your heart gets hard. There are great examples throughout the Bible. I don't, I don't believe the Pharaoh got saved. Maybe some of you do. That's your opinion. But do you know that Pharaoh, he, um, he ignored God, and his heart was hardened. Right? It says that. And there are other examples in Scripture. When you ignore God and don't do what he tells you, your heart gets hardened. And this passage says, hear what God says and don't let your heart get hardened. If this morning you haven't gotten anything out of your Bible ring in a while, you haven't gotten anything out of the preaching of God's Word, I encourage you to go back to where you didn't listen to God and go do what He says and start moving forward again for God. You need to hear and do what He says. Why is this? And do you know what the Bible gives us next? We see what we're supposed to do, and then the Bible says, number two, here's an example not to follow. Don't follow what the children of Israel did. Think about this with me with the children of Israel. Look at verse 8. It says, Harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Let's think about Israel for a few minutes here this morning. They were in captivity and slavery 400 plus years. They were there and, and God, the people cried out to God. God heard their cry. God sent them a deliverer in Moses. Moses goes in and says, I'm here. We're going to leave this place. Pharaoh didn't quite agree with the plan, right? And so what did God do? There were ten plagues that take place in Egypt. And God showed Pharaoh that he was God, but he also showed the children of Israel that he is God and that he's powerful and that he's trustworthy and you can believe what he says. So finally the day comes, they get to leave Egypt, right? And as they leave Egypt, they get to the Red Sea. And Pharaoh hardened his heart again, and he changed his mind, and he went, and he was going to bring them back. So as he goes, they get to the Red Sea. The children of Israel are, there's nowhere for them to go. And the children of Israel, what's their thing? Moses, you led us out here to kill us. There weren't enough coffins in Egypt to put us in, so you brought us out here so we could all die right here. That was their response. After God had already proven himself over and over again to them. There was a little boy that got home from Sunday school, and that little boy, his grandpa said, what did you learn in Sunday school today? And the little boy said, oh, we learned about the Israelites crossing the Red Sea and how they went across the Red Sea and how God saved the people. And the grandpa was like, you don't really believe that, do you? That's not how it happened. There was literally a little puddle of water. That's all that they crossed, and it was easy for them. And the little boy's like, wow, what a God. The fact that he could take a puddle of water and drown the Egyptian army in that puddle of water. And uh, to have the faith of a little child, that's what we need today, right? And so, but when we think about this, 
the Lord, they got to walk on dry ground. Think about that one. The Bible says dry ground. There was no mud that they went in on dry ground. They get across, and then all of a sudden, all the Egyptians, the army, they die in the, in the Red Sea. They go a little bit further and get to Mara. There's some springs of water there, but they're all bitter. Oh, the Lord's going to, he's going to kill us. Didn't give us water. They're all bitter. They're, we're going to have no water. We're going to die. We were brought out here to die. God gives them water. A little bit further. We have no food. We're going to die. God gives them food. God takes care of them and takes care of them and takes care of them. Over and over and over again. And what could have been a short journey turned into a 40-year journey because they got close to the promised land. And God never told them to go in and see if they could take the promised land. God said the promised land was theirs. They send in 12 spies. Now remember, everyone had seen what God had done already. They had seen the miracles in Egypt. They'd seen the water. They'd seen the manna. They'd seen all these things take place. They get to the edge of the promised land there. And that was just a good amen right there. Mila, Mila, good timing right there. That's Mila's, Mila's telling some of you you need to say amen every once in a while. And um, they get to the edge of the promised land and 10 of the 12 come back with a bad report. And they look at the giants of the land. They look at everything. They're like, there's no way we can take this land. Look at these people. We can't do it. And there were two, Joshua and Caleb, that said, no, our God's big enough. This is ours to take. You know the difference between the 10 and the 2? The 10 were looking at the task at hand, and the 2 were looking to their God. We get doubt when we get our eyes off of God and get our eyes on the situation. And so after all God had done, they had to wander 40 years in the wilderness and never got to enter into the promised land, except for two over the age of 40. Think about this. You're 40 years old or older. You didn't enter the promised land. You died in the wilderness when you could have been in the promised land if you just believed God and trusted God. But two got to go in, Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because they trusted God and believed God. So we look at our text this morning and we see the warning here is don't doubt God. When he speaks to you, listen and hear and do it and don't harden your hearts. Because the children of Israel, the example you don't want to follow, they saw God work over and over and over again. And yet in their hearts, they had the seed of doubt and that hardened their hearts and they didn't trust God and they never got to reach the rest that they should have had because they didn't trust God. Don't follow their example. Now, before we're too hard on Israel, okay? Sometimes I look at them, and I know you think the same thing I do. I look at Israel, I'm like, how dumb can they be? Dumb, 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 dumb. That's Israel. They're just dumb. God does all these things, and then they doubt. And then, have you ever looked at your own life? And you have this whole book of all the things God's done. And then you have all the things he's done in your life, and then we still doubt. We're probably worse than Israel. Real close. Don't doubt God. The warning here this morning is, hear God and do what he says and don't harden your heart. Don't follow the example that Israel set. And number three, lastly today, we see some instructions to follow so we don't go down that road. Look at verse 12 with me. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort 
one another daily. While it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast in the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. As we look here this morning and as we close here this morning, we see some instructions to follow. The first one is something personally you need to guard your heart. Look at verse 12 there again. It says, take heed, brethren. Hey, brethren, hey, look at this thing. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. You say, well, I'm, I'm saved. I have a new heart. Yes, you do, right? But as long as you live, the old man is still here. So there will be moments of belief and trust in God, and there will be times we don't. We must guard our hearts. We see this right here. You see that it says, look at what it says there in the verse, lest there be, any, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Look at what it says, in departing from the living God. That word departing is where we get the word apostasy from. This is a warning to guard our hearts because there's a danger in each of our lives of turning away from what is true to something that is not. That's why some people say, the Bible talks about there's going to be a great falling away, right? And I, I might be in the minority on this one. But I don't, I, some say, well, that's all the unsaved people. Well, there will be unsaved that fall away, too. But this falling away, departing from, I think that as it talks about as we get close to the end, there are going to be believers that go off the deep end on things because they doubt God and harden their heart towards God. And then they allow that apostasy in their own life. I might, you might not agree with me, but you're not the one preaching, so it's okay this morning. We need to guard our hearts. We need to, that's why the book of Proverbs, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put a close guard on it. Be careful with it. You see, uh, well, what does it mean to have an evil heart of disobedience? What are you talking about with that? It's a heart that stands off from God. It's a heart that doesn't believe that God can do what he says he can do. It's a heart that doesn't trust God. It's a heart that won't follow God. Don't let your heart get there. Say, can it get there? Did you read the text? It's written to believers, yes, you can go there. I have a lot of Christians, well, I will never, I will, uh, that won't ever happen. You just have so much confidence in yourself and who you are. Pride comes before a fall, and if you think you can handle it and do it all on your own, and you don't have to worry about these things, I think someone, I believe Paul wrote this, you can believe whatever you want, but if a greater Christian than me, and I would consider Paul a greater Christian, and I consider the Holy Ghost better than any of us, the Holy Ghost could pin these words for us and tells us we need to watch out for these things. You might want to listen to him instead of doing what you think is right. Because you could be like Israel and go through the book of Judges, right? Everyone did what they thought was right, and look at the mess they ended up in. But anyways, that's here or there. Guard your heart. Hear God. Don't let your heart get hard. Man, keep a soft heart towards God. But when we doubt him, our heart grows hard. When we don't listen to him and do what he tells us to do, our heart grows hard. And then we read it or we hear the preaching and it has no effect in our lives because our heart isn't in a place to where we can hear from God. And in the day and age that we live, you need to hear from God. Our world is a mess. A mess. Everywhere around us, you need to guard your heart that's something personally you need to do. But let her be, lastly. Corporately, you need to encourage God's people. Look at verse number 
12 again, Take heed, brother, unless there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We see there that we are to encourage God's people. Now, here I go again. I'm probably going to be in the minority when I say this, but I don't care. God and I can make a majority if people don't agree. Church is important. I'll say that again. Church is important. I know for some, like, online churches, no, there's no such thing as that. You realize that this morning, right? There's no such thing. I know, and I love, like, for your sister, I love the fact that she can tune in. And just knowing that she does, that encourages me, because I know she can't come each week. That's awesome for her that she can watch on there. And, like, I know my parents, if they could figure out technology, that they would come, but I've tried, and they just can't figure out the technology. And that's this last week, Russ... Russ, Mr. Walker Russ, got an iPhone this last week. Yeah, so he told me yesterday, I got an iPhone. I'm like, wonderful, that's the last thing you need. And um, so I said, all right, since we're on the phone, he was going to write a check for something for church, and he has a problem always spelling things because he hears me differently than what it is. So I'm like, I'm going to text you the name. So I hear right there, beep, he got the text. Um, how do I open it? Anyways, and so I get, and I am grateful for people that can watch online. That is not church. It is not. And you might not like what I say right here, but it is what it is. The Bible says we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And that's found right in the book of Hebrews later on. You know a key to Christian growth is going to church? You, you and I need church. Now, if your church meets one time a week... Go to church one time a week because that's what your church does. If your church meets more and you can, go. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Well, I don't like you have three services. Then go somewhere that has less if that makes you feel better. You know, it says in so much the more see the day approaching. This was written 2,000 years ago. We're getting closer to the end. You need more church today than less. We do. When this world's bombarding its garbage on us and tearing us down day in and day out, you need to come to church and be around God's people, and we encourage one another to do what's right. That's why in a church you can't fight with one another. Church needs to be a place that you get along and you can come be with God's people and have peace when you come to church. If you can't get along, if you have a hard time coming to church because you're worried about what's going on with so-and-so and all these, that's not what God intended to be. It's your place to hear the word of God, to sing praise to him, and your place to help each other grow. That's what church is for. And if that, and this is the thing, if this church isn't doing, and you've you got to understand something. I, heard, I read a post this last week from someone, and they got hurt by a church. I hate the fact that churches hurt people. I hate that pastors hurt people. But we are all human. None of us are perfect. At one point or another, some point in your time being under me as your pastor, I will hurt you. I don't want to hurt you. And I mentioned this last service. I'll mention it again. There's someone in this room that there's something that you have against me or something I've done to you that I don't even know about that's hindering you from hearing God's word. Come talk to me. I, it happens. People talk to me at times. And they'll come to me and they'll be like, and then afterwards most of the time, oh, that, you, that was a lot easier than what I thought. And just come talk to me. 
I'd much rather you come talk and let's talk it through than you sit there and get nothing for a long time from the Word of God. I will admit I'm not perfect, and I'll admit you're not perfect either. And between, the two, between all of us, we can make it all work and we can be okay. But the church is there to help encourage us to do what's right. Do you know that word exhort is the same word that Jesus used for the Holy Spirit in uh, John 14, verse 16. And I pray the Father that he'll give you another comforter. Exhort and comforter come from the same word. Which literally, the word comforter there is like someone coming alongside a long-distance runner and encouraging them to finish the race. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's there in our lives. But God also wants his people to encourage one another and to provoke to do good works. That's where if you come to church once a week and that's all you do with church, that you're not, that's not church. If you walk in, get your sermon and walk out and you're not involved in anybody's, it's just you and that, that's not how God intended it to be. Church is not a spectator sport, it's a participation. And we're in it together. That's the way God intended it to be. That's how church is supposed to be. We're to encourage one another. Because that's going to help us not, when someone's, because this is the thing, not all of us at the same time are going to have great doubts and be going through a big trial in our life. But some are. And when one of your fellow church members and one of your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ are struggling, that's where you need to come alongside them and hold their arm and help them as they go. Because not long after, you're going to be going through it and you need someone to come do the same thing for you. And that's where we have God and he helps us with those things, but he also gives you a church family that's supposed to help you do those things. We're supposed to be there for one another. And what is a church if a church doesn't do that? We're not a social club. Some people might think we are. we're not a social club. We're here to help exhort one another to do the work of God. So as we look at our text this morning, and as we close this morning, we think about the fact that literally, when God speaks, we need to listen. I love studying D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody is one of, and he wasn't a Baptist, get that. Yeah. I love studying D.L. Moody. I love reading about him. But D.L. Moody said the biggest blunder he ever made in his ministry was on October 8th, 1871. He was preaching a series in the um, Farwell Hall in Chicago, and this was his text. What then shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? At the conclusion of the sermon, Moody said he would give everyone one week to make a decision for Jesus. Ira Sankey was his song leader and the guy who would sing, and he sang the song, Today the Savior Calls. By the third verse of that song, the service was interrupted, and all the bells and all this going off because the great Chicago fire had started and everyone had to leave. He never got to give an invitation for that service. And he says he knows that God wanted him to, and he shouldn't have said he would wait a week. When God leads you, do what God tells you to do. Trust him. Trust what he says and what he will do. Because don't be like Israel. They saw God's signs, all of his wonders, all of his miracles. They doubted, and those over 40, except for two, didn't get to enter into the promised land. They didn't get to enter into that rest. And the Christian life, the victorious Christian life, you need to do what God says and believe him. And you can have victory in the Christian life have rest in the Christian life. And then, how do we stay? How do we get there? Guard your heart. Our heart, it's very easy for our hearts to get messed up. It's easy for our hearts to get hurt. It's easy for our hearts to get off. Guard your heart. Don't let anything have place in your heart 
keep it fresh with the Lord. Keep, stay close to God. And then stay in the church God has you and help encourage others when they're down so they encourage you when you're down. Warning number two from the book of Hebrews as you're trying to get through the Christian life and keep growing, don't doubt God. Because when you doubt, you're not going to grow. Father,